Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be continuing on with our top 100 games of all time. We're going to be hitting up 70 through 61 this week. But before we get into any sort of lists, Natasha has a little something she wants to share. (laughs) It's very underwhelming. Don't get too excited. Um, I I love it. I my daughter uh, won uh, a deck of Uno cards. Um, Wait, let's back this up. So, how did game? she win this? She bingo. won it in bingo. She's okay. Playing bingo, yeah. I, I'm guessing a fundraiser of some sort, and won a deck of Uno cards. How do you not Uno know cards. this? Like, do you not keep tabs on your daughter? No, I just <laughs> drop her off to places she asked me to drop her off. It was at the school. <laughs> sure. So, mm, well, all right. Fair enough. Um. So. Uh, my son was so excited we could play Uno with the stack of cards since we've been playing Uno with the Uno Showdown deck. Without we don't play Uno Showdown, we just play it with the Uno Showdown deck and ignore the showdown part. And it's sure. regular Uno. But this is this was Uno. Plus it came with um three wild cards that were blank. And so you deal out the cards and if you played the blank card, then you'd pick it up and you'd write on it, whatever you want it to mean. It's a wild card. And then you could write a text on it. Like, and it gave you some suggestions. Some of them were simpler and some of them were like kind of goofy, like silly stuff. So it was mm-hmm. really kind of, um, Uno legacy really is what it made me think of. Uno, the legacy game. Don't plant that idea in anyone's head. There's going to, man. If we all of a sudden end up with Uno Legacy, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I, I think they already I, have it, Bob. That's my point. It's, it's, it's <laughs> been created. Like, <laughs> it's like a cheap, basic Uno deck, but with these wild cards, that, just three of them. And it was kind of fun. Like we could, you know, if you got one of them, then you could change it to whatever you want. And it's in permanent marker. And now that is a, a custom Uno deck that we own. So how was how was the story behind Uno Legacy? Was it good? Was Uno the story behind Uno Legacy? Was it No, the point is that we have our own customized deck of Uno cards that nobody else has with our own rules on it. We created that. Yeah, I suppose that hits the realm of Legacy because you've yeah you've altered the game and yeah, you've altered the game in some way. Yeah. So sure. So Uno (laughs) it doesn't make my top one hundred, but you know, I didn't mind it. You're not gonna you're not gonna add it. Last no. minute. <laughs> no, it was oh. it was fun. It was a fun little experience. So if you're looking for a new Uno deck, you know maybe you could play that one. Uno Legacy. You heard it here. It's just it's just Uno, but you know you have to look in the back. They're like three extra cards that you can write your own ideas in. Um, I don't I don't even have words for this. Let's how about let's get into the top 100 games. Let's do that. I wanna I wanna hear about some good games. So let's start us off, Natasha. All right, we are starting off with number 70. Get on board, and I wrote New York and London because those are the ver- that's the version I have. It used to, the original was Let's Make a Bus Route, but I like the Get on Board one because that's the one I have. This is a roll and write game when really it's yeah, it's a flip and write. You've got a, a deck of cards you flip over, and when your tickets come up, you have to make a certain route path. Like you might have to do like one line or two or a straight line or a curved line, you know, depending on what the path looks like. And you're trying to navigate around the city, picking up passengers and dropping them off at certain points. You're trying to hit certain points for extra victory points. And you don't want to create too much traffic. So you don't want to go where other people have gone because that's negative points. It's really a nice, quick, easy game of um, laying out these, you use these little sticks to make your path and, and kind of a roll and write ask where you pick them up and drop them off and collect these passengers. And I kind of like it. I think it's a, a lot of fun. This is, is this considered a roll and write? Is yes. that what you would consider it? Okay. I consider it a roll and write because you're flipping over cards and then you are making your pass with the sticks and then you're writing on your board, like what you're, you're checking off what you're collecting, like the passengers that you're collecting. Sure. And if you're dropping them off, you're marking that. And- it, But it's not, it's not actually, you're not rolling dice, right? So, like, it's still considered, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, welcome to, I would say, is a is a rolling right. I'm still gonna lump it in that category, even though you're not technically rolling dice. It's the same kind of, uh, it's the same kind of thing, right? It's it's very it's similar enough between the two, but reveal and write, reveal and write, yeah, close enough. Yeah, this didn't make my list. It's it's surprisingly enough. It, I think it's actually pretty decent 
for for what it is. I do like the production a little bit better with the get on board. I think is I think is a little bit better. I like specifically those little sticks. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're not not everyone's drawing on this dry erase board, which can be sometimes you smudge it and then you don't remember where it is and stuff like that. So I do I do like the production of the new version. Yeah, it's nice. It's got this like vintage like uh look to it. Uh what's the the art style? The 1950s kind of stuff. Yeah. It looks kind of yeah. Jetsons like, but it's set yeah. in the 50s. It's it's really cute. Yeah. yeah, it's cutesy and it's a nice little like 30 minute, 45 minute game. Uh, I quite like it. A little puzzly to it, but fun and easy. A really approachable. That is my number 70, Get On Board, New York and London. My number 70 is a game that if you've listened to my underrated games, this is my number one underrated game, and that is Chocolate Factory. So in this game, you are have you have a conveyor belt, you have a little factory board in front of you, and every round you're going to be either you're going to be getting machinery and you're going to be getting a worker, uh, not a worker so much you get like a like a personality card, like they're going to do something special for you. And basically, once you get all that, you're going to start up your different shifts. You're going to be placing you know cocoa beans on this little conveyor. You're going to push them there, and then whatever machine is on either above or below that particular pallet you get to manipulate in some way and you're going to keep progressing these things down. You have so many shifts per day that you're going to be running your chocolate. You're trying to turn cocoa beans into some sort of refined chocolate, whether that be chunks, bars, caramels, you know, boxes of chocolates, whatever that sort of thing is. And the, the idea is at the end of a day, you're selling your chocolate to whoever you can. There's little small shops you can fulfill. And then there's going to be large shops you can fulfill. I really really enjoy this game i there's like two people that i know that like it too i think <laughs> it's rated the way it's it's appropriately rated i'm gonna say that i like this game it's completely fine but there's a reason why it's fallen under the radar like it's completely fine uh, I don't it's rated know, appropriately just... i'm gonna say that um, it's not know, bad I... it's a completely enjoyable game i have no problem playing it with you whenever you mind whenever you want i do not mind cool i'm gonna bring it out more often then i don't know i really like it there's just something about that conveyor system that i really like it's gimmicky but it's fun you're pushing things around you're you're trying to think of head ahead of what kind of machines you're gonna want so you can manipulate your chocolate there's some timing elements because at one point you can slide the chocolate off down the chute and then harvest it for that day or you can leave it on the conveyor and eventually it'll fall off and then you'll gain it that particular day so there's some some timing elements involved in this game as well and some future thought that I really like, but yeah, I I love this game. My number 70, Chocolate Factory. All right, my number 69 is Can't Stop. This is a push-your-luck dice game. Uh, I have a lot of fun playing with my son. He loves push-your-luck games. You have four dice, you roll them, and you combine two of the dice and two of the dice together to get two different numbers. You get either two through 12. You can combine any of them however you want. Pick those numbers, you move up those two tracks. You roll them again, and then same thing. Combine the dice, any numbers you want the twist being that you only have three markers to move so once you're committed to three numbers let's say you move the seven the nine and the four and then you roll again if you don't get a seven nine or four you are busted and you do not get to advance on the tracks but you can stop whenever you want advance your markers all the way up to wherever they're at in that round and then once you get to the top of the column you have claimed it first person to get three columns wins the game it's really quick you can play it in five minutes um, but it's just the right push your luck. It's totally randomness the die. Uh, I really like this this game. I think this might be my favorite push your luck game. Uh, nope, it's not. But I do really like it. I think it's solid. I think it's a solid fun game. It's funny. The first time I ever played it was when I joined um, Board Game Arena. It's like the first game it like lets you play. It's the first game it kind of teaches you that sort of thing. And yeah, it's just one of those games that I think is fun. You're chucking some dice, seeing what you can do moving up stuff if you feel real like spicy you can just try to you know run up 12 couple times and get it or you can just stick in the middle and go up 7 15 times it's it's a fun game for sure my i always try to get like six seven eight and because you can roll six seven eight almost every single time uh Uh, you almost hardly ever bust so you can go all the way to the top on one turn my son loves to get those twos and those twelves because you only have to go up twice obviously they're really hard to get but he doesn't seem to understand the probability part of it. And so he like 
rolls one. Like the idea is if you get one of those, you roll it and then you just claim it. Like you're done. You stop. You've only gone up once, but you're halfway there. He d- does not get that. Yeah. How many times has he won this game with you against you? Not, not, not often, but he has, but yeah. not often. Yeah, that's the whole point, lot. man. You got to push your luck. Some, you know. He goes big or goes home, and fortune favors the bold. Fortune favors the bold. <laughs> we always hear about the fortune favoring the bold. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we hear about. We don't hear about all the bold that um, didn't find fortune. Anyways, my number sixty nine can't stop. We digress. All right. Uh, my number 69 is guaranteed to be on Natasha's lips, probably in her top 10, and that is Earth. So this game is kind of like an engine building game where you're you're getting cards and you're taking those cards and you're placing them into a tableau. And then when you activate an action, you can activate all the cards in a specific sequence that ha- that are associated with that action. So I've I've said this a number of times on this podcast and I think this is the game I really wish Wingspan was. To And the thing is, I, I often say that and it feels like I'm dogging Wingspan and I'm not. I think Wingspan is a very solid game that appeals to a lot of people. I think my main issue with it, like I've said before in the past, is towards the end, I've kind of just, I kind of just do the same action. So my game almost finishes, you know, What's the game? Four rounds? Five rounds? Four rounds. So round four, halfway through, all I'm doing is the exact same action. And that's typically laying eggs. Because I might have cards in my hand, but realistically, laying eggs gives me more points, that sort of thing. This game kind of eliminates that. And I think the other thing it does really well is it allows you to draw through the deck. The deck in Earth is massive. It's huge. But you 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 go through it, whether you're composting those cards and just taking them and putting them into your compost pile or you're actually drawing them, it gives you an opportunity to draw lots and lots of cards. The other thing in Wingspan that can be kind of tough is if you're not necessarily drawing the kind of cards you need or want, it can be difficult. And I think this game kind of approaches that in a very good way. It just It gives you so many cards to, to utilize. There are a lot of things I like about this game. Yeah. Should we just should we just pause this for right now right and, and like we'll pick this up in like when we do ten through one maybe somewhere? <laughs> you don't know <laughs> so, me. You don't uh, know. Get out of here. God, you don't know nothing about me. My um, okay. Yep. Go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? You go ahead. I was gonna move yeah. on. <laughs> you, okay. I'm, anyway, I'm sure you'll hear more about it, and Natasha's gonna be a lot more excited to tell you things about it. But that is my number sixty nine, Earth. All right, my number 68, I just got to play this last weekend, was Stone Age. And I was thinking, this has dropped quite a bit. It used to, I, I love this game, and I kept it on here for nostalgia reasons. And I thought that I liked it so much because I have so many memories of playing it. I played it a ton. But I played it again just this last weekend, and I'm like, no, this game is good. Like, I like it. It's on my top 100 because it's good, not just because of all the nostalgia reasons. Reasons. It's a worker placement game. You go around and you place your workers, like, one action space at a time so it's you're really strategic about what you place because you got to place it you know obviously before somebody else gets there and then once everyone's workers are placed you go around the table one person at a time and you activate all of your workers so you can do them any order you want you're going to activate all of them there on the board return them back and you want to end up getting these cards for set collection and game scoring and then you can build these huts for um scoring throughout the game it's just a really great pretty basic worker placement game but um but it it holds up i think that it it still like looks great it's still a beautiful game and it still plays really great and i really like it yeah unfortunately this i believe has fallen off my list but i think it's because i don't play it that often and it's one of those games too that it we often talk about a game showing its age it it just kind of it's it, it doesn't age well that sort of thing I think Stone Age does age well. I think it's still a very solid game, and I still think it's good for new players to get into worker placement. I don't think it's so complicated, you know? I remember first playing it and thinking, oh, man, these pieces are so beautiful, the little components, how they're all shaped differently. You know, that was kind of newish. I think the art and stuff has made it really beautiful. It doesn't look gray and dated. It's certainly brown because of the 
nature theme of the board, you know, set in the stone age, but, uh, and more, you know, definitely more components and more fancier components have come out since then. But overall, like the artwork still looks nice. It's still in great shape. It, it just doesn't look dated. You're exactly right. I think the look of it was, was, it was a really good looking game for its time. And now I think you'd say it's pretty normal standard looking game, but it doesn't look dated. I also lied. It is on my top 100. It's 95. Oh, you talked about it already. Yeah, I was looking higher, not necessarily lower. So I that didn't it is. That. Yeah. That said, like the more I think about it, because that gaming weekend we just had, that gaming day, um, watching you guys play it, it made me want to play it. I think the downfall of that game is new players think they need to build the huts, not acquire cards. And I think mm-hmm. next, moving forward, if I ever teach it to new people, I'm going to be like, you need to pay attention to these cards. That's where you're going to be scoring your points at. But yeah. Yeah, the game. game we played with, he got. Every one of the set collection cards ended up with 64 points from that. One in the game. It's ridiculous the kind of points you can get out of that. Yeah. All right. That's my number 68, Stone Age. My number 68 is the original OG Seven Wonders. This game I still really, really enjoy. It was one of the first drafting games that I really gravitated towards and played a lot of. And... I've, I still play quite a bit of it on Board Game Arena. I haven't been able to pull out a physical copy just because it's an old game and bringing that to game night doesn't necessarily shine that well and I just don't teach it to new people anymore. And most of the time, the reason why is that it's, I got Seven Wonders Architects for that. If I want to teach new people a game, it's going to be Seven Wonders Architects. But I still love it. I still enjoy the decisions every single time you're looking at what people are making. You're trying to figure out what it is you want to like acquire. Are you going to go for science? Are you going to go for Civ cards? Are you going for combat? I think it's still a super solid game. I do like the updated second edition you know, artwork and stuff like that. I think it's really good. Keep in mind, this is without really expansion material too. I just like the regular base game. I'm still playing it on Board Game Arena. Yeah, it is a good game and you're right. It's just not being played. I think we played it to death. We played it so much for so many years because it's great because it plays so well at seven yep. that, that yeah, you bring it to game night. Nobody's going to want to play that unless we're really looking for something that plays seven in like 45 minutes. But it is a really good game. It didn't make my list, but I do really enjoy it. I have no complaints about it. I still enjoy playing it. Always happy to. I enjoy all versions of it. Architects, Duel, OG. They're they're all great games, and they've paved way a lot, I think, for um, that style, the the drafting games. I do like how all three feel. They feel similar enough that it feels like you're playing Seven Wonders, but different enough that you can own all three and feel good about it. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very different. Like the theme is the same, the artwork is the same, the iconography is the same. And certainly all drafting, but yeah, definitely they feel very different games. Yeah, I really, I still really like it, and I, I would love to play it more, but I usually get my fix on Board Game Arena. And the nice thing about this too, about Seven Wonders, is it plays seven, and it doesn't take longer playing with seven. Yeah. So my number sixty-eight, Seven Wonders. All right, my number sixty-seven is Wingspan. So I still like Wingspan. <laughs> Uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. I thought that it was, I cooled on it quite a bit, but then I've been playing that on BGA and I really enjoy it on BGA. It's nice and quick. And I recently played it with all people that had already played it, were really familiar with it. There was no teach and it went really quick and snappy. So I thought that it played to, can take a long time to play it in person. And it certainly can, especially if you're teaching people, but it can be quick. And I have enjoyed my last few plays, which have been with those people. And then online quite a bit and now it's kind of having a resurgence with me i enjoy it i i love the bird theme the wingspan what wingspan did for the board gaming hobby i, I love it because it, it a lot of people in the board gaming hobby don't like the theme of the birds which i com- i completely disagree with like i love the nature thing theme it has it has taken board games and it has said hey board games aren't just for nerds Board games are for yep. anybody. You can be into anything and find board games that you like. And I I kind of said like, at first I was like, I just like the feminine theme because it's kind of the, the birds. It's a little prettier. It, it just kind of feels more feminine. I don't want to sign gender to board games because that's dumb. But a lot of the board games feel really 
masculine and they feel really heavy nerdy. So if you're not like a big nerd, like into sci-fi fantasy or history, are board games for you? And the Wingspan is like, yeah, they absolutely are for you. You can play, you know, and then all of a sudden with Wingspan, we got all of these nature feels. And I would love to see, there's not near enough nature games. People complain that there's so many nature games, but there's like five of them. So quiet, we need more. And we need more games that are, I don't want to say feminine. I just don't know a better word to to use, but non-nerd. Maybe maybe softer would be a better term just because you take a lot of the games that you're describing are like war themed, right? Yeah. You know, you're aggressive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. More games that are just like softer and and calmer and not just aggressive, like dark, dingy, dirty games. And not that those games all are. You know, they're either like really historically, they've been really either dry Euros or heavy fantasy, heavy sci-fi. And this is like, this is, I think this theme is great. I think it it says to the board, the the world that board games are for everybody, not just nerds. And I, I really love that. There are several games that you can point to and say, these things change the industry or these things have had such an impact that they've launched the industry and have grown it. The one that normally comes to mind that people think about is The Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. In 1995, that game com- came out. It won the spiel, and it, it it launched the modern board game industry into what it is today, I would say. It was it it sent people, it gave people this uh, this game that they could play. It was very popular. It still is. I mean, there's Anytime you go to a convention, there's always people walking around with sheep and wool and, you know, Tons wood of hats. Play Catan. Tons of people yeah. that play board games, play Catan. Don't play board games, but they'll play, they've played Catan. Yeah. If you say like Monopoly, you're like, well, more like Catan. They're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those games that's like pivotal, right? That, that has changed the industry. And I would say another game that's in that thing is Wingspan. I know I've gone on here and I've been like, I've criticized the game. And the thing is, everything about the game I I really enjoy, except towards the end. That I wish the end was better. But what it's done for the hobby, whereas with showing you that you can have a unique, gentle theme, and it will work just well and be popular. It is one mm-hmm. of those games that it's right in there with you go into a person's home that doesn't play board games. They could very well have Monopoly, Catan, Ticket to Ride, and Wingspan. Yeah, I remember being at a game store and a bunch of people came in and they they were non gamers. It came up and they were looking for copies of Wingspan. It's mm-hmm. just one of those games that I think you can lump it in with that category of just it's it's it has done something to the industry. I think you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I know a ton of people that have played Wingspan and are not board gamers or are what I would consider casual gamers. They play. Yep. A, they play board games. They're not obsessed with it. They they don't know what board game geek is. They own three games at home, plus you know Monopoly and Clue and Candyland. All yeah. of them. My, All my number sixty seven, a great game, Wingspan. All right, my number sixty seven, Natasha. Please don't be mad. That is Orleans. Sixty seven. Yeah, I think it's because I don't play it very consistently. I need to play it more. So this is the. I would say this is the original bag builder, right? This is yeah. Bef- yeah. So in this game, you're getting chits, you're putting it into a bag, and then on your on your you know on a start a new round, you're going to be pulling out chits, and they're going to be basically allowing you to activate different spots on your board. And that's for the most part it. You're trying to acquire more more of these tokens to put into your bag, so you can you know draw better ones. Some of the times you're going to be thinning out your bag by moving them into sending them onto the I want to say it's the scholar board, but I don't I don't remember exactly the name of that board that you send them to. As you're sending them there, you're going to be thinning out your your bag so you can start pulling the tokens you want to. You're going to be moving up several different tracks as you're acquiring these tokens. Um, and each round, there's going to be um, a little tile that's going to dictate something that's happening in the round. This is, like I said, the original bag builder game. There's not a ton of bag builders that have come out since then. But yeah, this is one of those games that I still enjoy. It's fallen a little bit, partly because it is an older style game. Funny enough, 
um, I was I was chatting with a friend of mine and we were talking about Orleans and he's just like, yeah, it's just ugly. I'm like, yes. mm. it's not I'm even like, that old. But if you're like compare Orleans to like Stone Age, Orleans looks way uglier. It looks way older. It just has that classic Euro look to it, which is ugly. Because it's your favorite artist of all time, right? It's your boy. It's, it's your boy Clemens Franz. It's it's just <laughs> the the theme is bad. The the art is bad. The everything about it is just does not look good. But man, is it such a great game! I don't, I don't think that, we need I, a reprint. I don't think the artwork's that bad. But yes, it's it's one of those things that, if funny enough, it just got reprinted. Pretty recently, too. Capstone picked it up, and they... It's exactly the same. Yeah, they did they a couple just, changes, but it is... Barely anything. Exactly yeah. The same. yeah, I don't... Oh, almost like that. this on yeah. a new theme. Pick a new theme. Make the same game. New art. Nah. Leave it the same. I like it. I think it's a solid game. I'm sure Natasha is going to be talking about it again once we get into her top 10, but that is my number 67, Orleans. All right, my number 66 is a Phil Walker Harding game. I think this might be my one and only Phil Walker Harding game, and I love it. It's my favorite of his, and that is My Shelfie. This is a uh, board game about stacking your bookshelf, and basically you're drafting these tiles from this open area. You're restricted by what you can draft based on like the positioning of these tiles, and then whatever tiles you take, you have to put them in the same you have to put all the tiles you take in on the same in the same row. And so you have to decide basically like you want to put them in like adjacent to each other, like in the same. Sorry, I said row. You need to put them all in the same column. So if you want to put them in the same row, too bad you cannot. You have to put them all in the same column. And then you have to make different. You want different colors in different spots based on your personal scoring objective and then you've got some scoring objectives that you're all competing for first to get it gets the most points and then you've got some end game scoring by grouping them together so it really is just a little puzzle it's got this fun little actual shelf that stands up kind of like think um that drop that connect four game it's got the little that you drop the little tiles in that's what you do with these you drop them in so that it actually makes you know, a little shelf, and at the end of it, you've got this beautiful shelf with all these little things in it, including cats. So that's nice. Would you, would you become a cat lady? We found, we found out. <laughs> and we you adopted told- one cat. You adopted one cat like a year ago, and now you have three. So it's one of those things. Yeah, we could talk about that another time. Yep, that's for that's for a different that's for a different podcast altogether. All right. Uh, yeah. So I've played it. I think one time on. Board game arena, and at first I didn't know what what the heck I was doing because I didn't read the rules. Sometimes I don't; I just play. Um, but this seems like a seems like a cool thing. Once I kind of figured out how you're acquiring those things, and sometimes you can get really good moves where you're able to take all the tiles you want to fulfill your scoring objectives, that sort of thing. I think this is a pretty solid game too. It's a the great Walker one. Harding plan. stuff, yeah, is so good. Yeah, it is really good. This is a great one to play on BGA because you don't have to like lay out all those tiles that you're going to draft. So it's a nice quick one to play. It's quick, light, but it it hits this one hits me right because of the puzzling nature of which tiles to take. I feel like I have a lot of choices and what do I want to prioritize and am I able to do all of them? And I love it when I want to do everything and can't. And this this game is just a really light, nice version for that. That is my number 66, my shelfie. Nice. My number 66 is Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Uh, another Shem Felix, Sam McDonald game. What? You're saying that because of how low it is? Yes. It's my top 100. Game. It's my top 100. I don't own it. What can I say? Uh, so this is a, I mean, it's, it's you know, Shem Phillips, McDonald doing their thing with worker placement, dice. That's that you're getting different kinds of workers and using those workers to activate different cards, acquiring those cards. You're putting out influence on them. There's tracks that you're moving up and you can find different paths to move up them. Yeah, you're building out your tableau so you can have some additional actions. There's a little puzzle in the center where you're trying to like fulfill, fill like rows. So when you use dice of specific numbers, you're getting additional stuff. This one's a solid one, I think. I think I'm the more I'm going to play this, the better I'm going to like it. The higher it's going to go up. I don't own it, so I don't play it that often. Something like, you know, Scholars is just a, probably a smidge too heavy for what I would want out of some of these games. But this one's a solid game. 
So I really, I really enjoy this one. Yeah, it's great. It's a great game. It's pretty solid. Some would say. Some would say mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Pretty good. But anyway, that <laughs> that is my number sixty six. Wayfarers of South Tiger. I think this chunk in particular, you're just so mad at how low these games are. These are like some of the best games of all time. Yeah. Top, yeah, at least for you? your top 100 yeah all right my number 65 is definitely not on bob's list this is a real-time game this is called steam park so this is a lovely game by yellow it is about building a theme park for robots it's not a human theme park it's a robot theme park and you are rolling dice real time so you roll your dice and whatever ones you want to keep you take them and put them on your little piggy bank so they're locked in at that that die face. And then you keep rolling these special dice until you can roll them forever until you get exactly what you want. And whenever you're done rolling the dice, you take whatever markers first. So whatever one's left. So if you're the first one, you want to take the first one because that, that lets you clean up more dirt. The last player, the last person to stop rolling their die takes the last marker and that one gets you a lot of dirt. At the end of the game, if you have a lot of dirt, you lose points. You don't want a dirty theme park, obviously. And then you you use your dice, whatever the dice is, you get to activate each one of those dice. So if you have a building dice, that means you can build a roller coaster. If you have um, three of them, then you can build uh, either three small roller coasters or one large roller coaster. If you get robots, then you can put robots on your roller coasters. The tricky thing about these robots is the green robots will only ride green rides and the pink ro- robots will only ride pink rides. The red robots will only ride red robots. So you ride rides. So you draw them out of the bag and hope you get the, the robots that you need. And then some die let you get rid of dirt. Some guy let dice let you put up these tents that give you special abilities that let you basically break rules in the game or special abilities, whatever. And then other ones that let you score cards. You get all these cards that you're collecting throughout the game. And whenever you use score one of them, you just get another one. So you can sometimes you want to score like you want to save till you can maximize the scoring. But sometimes if you you can score them, even if you have zero on there, because they'll still give you a couple dollars and points and stuff. And then you get points for your scoring cards. You get points for robots at the end of each round on your rides. And then you lose points for having much dirt. And I love this game. I think it is gorgeous. It's got this really bright, vibrant artwork. Uh, but it's not busy or too overwhelming. I love the the real-time dice rolling. I think that's a lot of fun. I love the scoring opportunities with the cards. Like you kind of want to save them, but you learn learn like you might as well just spend them. And so you end up doing a lot of these die that lets you score cards. There's just a lot you can do and and it's quick. Um, you know, it's a good hour. I wouldn't say it's a quick game, but it's uh it's kind of a, it's a, got a lot of fun mechanisms and I haven't seen anything quite like it yet. And I still really love this game. I think what's cool about it is like you have those tall, you know, attractions that you're putting people on. So it's it has this nice aesthetic yes. looking at it on the table. Yeah, your the roller coasters are all 3D. Like you build them up and you store them, you keep them all stored up, and they're like they're like a four inches tall, maybe not that high, maybe like two or three inches tall. And then you put the robots like you put them physically on them. So yeah, it, it does have that nice, nice feel to it. Yeah. Yep. Nice look to it, I've, I guess. Yeah, I I've never played it, so. Do you think yeah. I'd like it? N- no, it's the real time dice rolling. Mm. I think you might you might be able to tolerate mm. it because you could just roll the dice and make do with what you got. There's one side of the dice that's blank, so it doesn't do anything, but you can still spend it on um build like adding more land to your park, or some cards give you points for. For blank, so you could just roll it and and just be the first one and make do with what you get. You could just kind of ignore that real time part of it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. No, <laughs> I should probably try some real time. Yeah, see if we can find one real time game you like. That's my number sixty five, mm-hmm. Steam Park. All right, my number sixty five is uh, World Wonders. So this is a game by Arcane Wonders. It is a polyomino style game where you're every single round, you're going to have a certain amount of money to buy polyomino pieces to place them onto your board. You can buy road t- uh, tiles. You can, you know, buy these different things. You can buy towers. But the biggest thing you're trying to do is you're trying to fulfill these wonder cards. And whenever you purchase a wonder, it's basically going to take up the last little, last amount of money that you have. 
So ideally, you want to buy it when you know you have like one money left because there's no cost to the wonders. It's it's cost whatever you have left. So you want to do it when you have very little money. But sometimes you'll notice that people are going to be competing for the same one. So sometimes you're just gonna have to buy it with more expensively than you really want to. But what's cool about it is when you acquire the wonder, there are certain uh, conditions that you need to fulfill in order to be able to you know acquire the wonder and build it onto your board. And then when you do get it, it is a chunky wooden piece. So you have a lot of these like flat tiles, and then you have these chunky pieces that are sitting on top of your board. The aesthetic always gets me on this game because I just find it so cool that you you have this 3D aspect to it. The the pieces are like real chunky, and you can build a ton of the different wonders. Uh, it's just really solid game, I think. You know, it's I don't think it's overly complicated with what you're trying to do, score points. So yeah. I like it. I like it too. It's a very good game. <laughs> there we go again. All right. My number 65, World Wonders. All right. My number 64 is also a tile laying game. It is called Wild Tiled West. This was a new one that just came out. And boy, did we love this game. This is a tile laying game all about all set in the wild, wild west. It's got a really cutesy, cartoony feel to it. You, everyone's got these maps that are unique. Um, with, but have the same abilities at, or you can flip them all over and now they're completely unique. They got special abilities, special powers. The dice, the tile drafting is very unique in this game. Like there are limited amounts of tiles. Like a lot of the tiles, there's only two or three total in the whole game. And you roll this dice and you're limited based on the way the dice rolled and what tiles you can draft. I really enjoy this tiling game. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I I like the the artwork in it. I think does a really good job, you know, with the theme, and yeah, the, with those tiles. Like as you're as you're acquiring them, if let's say you roll a die and it's in a spot that doesn't have tiles, then you move on to the next spot. So I think they do a really good job with it. Pretty solid. That is my number sixty four, Wild Tiled West. All right, my number sixty four is a game Natasha seems to think I always win, and that is Scout. This is a game in which you're going to be dealt a hand of cards and you are not allowed to rearrange your hand. And the idea is you guys are going to be constantly going around trying to beat whatever was previously laid. So, for example, if a player lays a four, you can lay down a five. If a player lays down, you know, a run, which runs can be two cards. So let's say it's three, four. You can beat it with, let's say, four, five, five, six, seven, eight. You can beat it with a pair. Pairs beat runs. So you can do two twos. Then Natasha's going to lay down 3-4-5, and now we have to beat 3-4-5. So you're going to constantly be going, and it's going to get to a point where, since you didn't rearrange your cards, it's going to be hard to beat. So one of the things you can do is you can scout, which allows you to take a card from what was previously played and place it anywhere into your hand, which a lot is going to give you some manipulation into how you're able to play those cards. At once, every single round, you can do a thing called Scout and Show, which is you can pull a card, put it into your hand, and then you get to play and beat what previously had. Whatever you beat, you end up taking as far as points are concerned. Anytime somebody scouts from you, you're going to take points. This is a cool, cool card game. I really wish it would have won the spiel. It didn't. Some other stupid game did. This game should have. But regardless, I I really like this game. It's usually always in my bag. I almost always have it because you of how much I enjoy it. You are really good at it because Thank I you. just finally played it without you and I finally <laughs> won. And we were all like, we were all sitting at the table just bemoaning Bob. Like, oh, it's so great Bob's not here. Oh, this game is so much more fun without Bob because you win all the time. It's so frustrating. Everyone was making fun mm. of him. He's like, yeah, if I have like 10 cards in my hand, it's time for Bob to go out. <laughs> <laughs> I It just, I don't know, something about it clicks for me, I guess. Man, I, I don't do know how I feel game. about you guys, like you guys saying how you don't like to play games with me. But that's, that's besides what the we were saying. We were saying <laughs> that this game is funner without you because you destroy us in it. And we kind of missed you. So, you know, it was, it was a it was a compliment. Got but it. All right. Fair. Next time I want to play card games with you and you're like, well, I don't know what to play. I'll just be like, pull out your number 60 through 70 favorite games of all time and i will play any of those i love these games these are my favorite games all right yeah they're so low on my list anyway my number 64 is scout all right my number 63 is is falling quite a bit this is on gods of egypt 
I Ooh. we really liked this game when it came out, and I still really like it, but it, I just don't play it, which is too bad because yeah. I've got this beautifully painted edition uh, that I painted myself, and it looks gorgeous, and I love it. And so now I feel like I have to keep it, even though I hardly ever play it. But I, I'm hoping we'll play it some more. But if I don't, it's probably gonna fall off this list. Yeah, I re- man, I really like this game when it came out too. Especially playing it at lower player counts, you can play it at two, and it's still good. Man, dude, for whatever reason. You and I have a difficult time playing dude on the map games. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, for whatever reason, I've been carrying Blood Range in my bag for the last like handful of weeks because I finally finished painting it and we just haven't played it. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, it's a bummer. People aren't interested in playing them anymore, but it's still a solid good game. If you're looking yeah. for a really heavy, big dudes on the map game that you can play at too, this is the game. Agreed. It works. It's got a really neat mechanics. It's got a very Euro mechanic to it. It's got a little bit of rock, paper, scissors with the cards that you play. But man, it's, it's just like outthinking your opponent. It's really fun. It's a beautifully produced game. You, you definitely plays more than two. You can play it for more. But, you know, if you don't like the merge aspect of it, which a lot of people don't, then then it's great as a two player where you don't ever merge. Yep. All right. My number 63, Ankh, Gods of Egypt. All right, my number 63 is Viticulture. I'm going to say Essentials Edition, I guess, with the Tuscany expansion. Either way, this is a Stonemaier game. I think it was his first big game. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was his first game. Anyway, it's a worker placement game. What's cool about this particular worker placement game is you have a grande worker, which allows you to do an action spot that's already filled. So you have one available to you every single round. Um, this you're you're acquiring grapes, you're turning those grapes into wine, and you're trying to sell them, trying to fulfill orders. You don't necessarily have to be the best wine producer in order to win the game. There's going to be a lot of cards that throughout the course of the game that will give you points for doing things, giving tours, having just wines in your your uh, storage area, that sort of stuff. I think it. I think it's. I think it's still good. It has fallen a decent amount for me. Just because I don't necessarily play it that often because I think it's good at like a higher player count, like four or five, as opposed to lower player counts. But I still like this game, especially I think the Tuscany expansion really gives it some additional life because it changes the board, which I really like. I like the the board change quite a bit. Yeah, I've only played this game one time uh, and quite a quite a few years ago. Um, so it didn't make my list, but I do I do think this is a solid game. I could totally play it again. And yeah, it's just not being played very much anymore, at least in our group, but it's definitely a good solid game. Yeah. My number 63, Viticulture, Essentials Edition, with the Tuscan right. expansion. <laughs> All right. My number 62, the Quacks of Quedlinburg. This is a push your luck. So this is a bag building, push your luck game. Uh, I think that's about it. It's a really... This is a really great welcoming game. It's a little bit more complex. Like I didn't go over well with my kids. There's a lot going on, but I still think it would be a good welcoming game for people that don't play a lot of board games. You basically buy these tiles that have different abilities depending on which abilities you're playing with. And then you're drawing them out of your bag, trying not to bust. But if you bust, it's not like the end of the world. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of, sometimes you want to just like go as far as you can and totally bust and who cares. Sometimes you want to be careful and not bust and you're just spending your money, however much money you get, you can just spend it on buying more chits. So your bag just kind of grows and grows. And it's a lot of fun pulling these out and like comboing them. And you get to do all this fun stuff. It's a good solid game. It's a good hour, hour and a half style of game, but it's not heavy. Uh, and it's not punishing or painful. So even if you're losing, they've got a catch up mechanism with it. Uh, it, it just overall, it works really, really well. And I know it's gone over very, very well with lots and lots of people, except for my children, which really kind of broke my heart. But, you know, can't win them all. Oh, sad face. It's it's a solid push your luck game. It really is. I think what's cool about it, too, is as you're acquiring those tokens and putting them into your bag, they all do something different. And there's multiple versions of the different things that they do in the base game. So you can have up to, what well, I don't know, like four versions. Like this particular ingredient can do four different things based on which card you're using for that particular game, which I think is cool. Again, anything to increase replayability, I think is a positive. So then you can mix and match what the different things do, get little tiny combos with it. Solid game for sure. My number 62, the Quacks of Quedlinburg. My number 62 is a game that used to be in my top 10 has dropped out, and that is Grand Austria Hotel. 
I used to love this game so much, especially playing it at two player. My issue with it is I just simply played it to death. Um, a couple of us, we play it on Yukata, which is another kind of like board game arena style thing. And we just played it over and over and over. And I think because of that, I got kind of just over it. See what I did there? (laughs) 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 So it's a, it's a game where you're rolling uh, at the start of the round, you roll some dice and you're going to use those dice to activate different spots based on how many dice are in that spot. That's how powerful of an action you can get. And ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to acquire guests from a row. You know, you can take guests for free and then it's going to cost you money as you progress down the line. You're going to take them. You're going to put them into your little cafe. You want to feed them their wines or their coffees, their strudels, their cakes, whatever it is they want. And then once their bellies are full, you're going to put them into a room that you've prepared for them. This is a really tight uh, tight economy. You always wish you could do a little bit more because you only get a couple actions per, per round. So you want to try to you know, do it in such a way where you can get multiple things going. Where you activate this, this also allows you to open rooms, that sort of thing. There's a lot of like working pieces. I think it's the tight economy is something that I really liked about this game. But like I said, I just I just played it too much, you know? I think you can play a game too much, or I won't say too much. I'll say you can play a game and complete it. You know what I mean? And yep. maybe it might be 10 games for some games, and maybe it's 100 for others. But like you can play it and be like, okay, I've played every single scenario. I've done everything. I know exactly the best way to play this game. There's no it, – it's kind of done at that point. You know what sure. I mean? You're done. And yeah. that that's fine. Like, that's great. Like, you've, you've, you've played it. You've completed it, even though there's not, like, a technical completion point. And yeah. then you can kind of move on with it and not play it again. That's completely fine. Or when you do it a year or whatever, it's fine. But I think that's a great way to play games. Play it till you're sick of it. Yeah, at this point, I, I'll, I'll, I've played it again since I've kind of gotten, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I, I do like this game. But, again, it's one of those things that I'll play it once. I'm good for, like, a month or two. And then I can play it again. But my number 62, Grand Austria Hotel. Also artwork by Clemens Franz, which is solid. I would say (laughs) this is one of his best artworks, even though the people look the same. But I think it's because it's set in a modern theme. Sure. And it's a little bit more colorful. It's not near brown like all the rest of them are. And the modern helps it a lot. So it doesn't look. It just just, still looks dated, though. But not as bad. It's not as bad. And that guy on the cover, it's just like, oh, I really don't like that guy on the cover. He just like look like he's works for the hotel. And you're like, I do not want him as my boss. Like, never. (laughs) I don't think it's that bad. It's horrible. Oh, man. I don't think it's that bad. He's, I don't know. He's just chilling. He's just wants to pour some. No, he's a total D-bag. Like, he is not a nice person. Uh, judge he's a book like a, by its cover. He's I like guess. a Chad. But I think he's amazing because <laughs> he he, he's the manager. He you is know? a Chad. I'm the boss. Yeah. You got to do yeah. what I say because I'm the boss. Oh, he's my like, God. You're the boss of like the Hampton Inn there, buddy. Like, <sighs> <you're... laughs> Not cool. All right. All right. My number 61. This one was like um, further down on my list. Like I like I've moved it up higher because uh, I've been enjoying playing it so much. Like it started off lower. I was going to talk about it last week, but then I kept moving it up and up. And I'm like, no, oh, I like this one better than this one. So I kind of kind of push it up. And that's Arcropolis. And it, I feel like it should have been like in the 80s because it's such a light, easy game. There's really not much to it. It's just quick tile lane game. But we've been, pl- we played it a lot in person. And then we've been playing it a lot or online. And man, I just, I love I love the puzzliness of it. It's just so simple. You just take a tile and you get points based on how many of those tiles you have and and then how many stars you have. You multiply your stars by that that color of tile as long as they fit the requirement. They have different requirements and you just add the points. That's that's the whole game. You know, there's there's some neat little twists with it. You can stack them. Then whatever was one is on top is now three times as much, but not the stars. So you got to stack the good tiles, not the ones that don't matter. You cover up the gray tiles. You get some cubes, which let you spend. You can use to spend to get higher up on the drafting. So, you know, the common drafting where the first one is free, the second one you have to pay, pay something for it. The third one you pay two for it, so on. It, it 
super simple, like nothing innovative, nothing interesting about this, but it just, it hits me in all the right spots. I just, I really, really enjoy playing it. It's like a hidden gem at this point, I feel like. I don't feel like enough people are talking about this game. Yes. Because as simple as it is, I think it's solid. And I think it would be also a very good welcoming game. Very like, good it's welcoming It's just fun. Game. Yes. Yeah. I, the puzzle of it is, yeah, it's really good. It's a puzzle, but it's a very light puzzle. Yeah. It's very light. Yeah. It's just straightforward. But it, but it's fun to play and it's fun to build. That's my number 61, Arcropolis. All right. To wrap up this list, my number 61 is Beyond the Sun. This is a tech tree game. There is a space board where you're flying your ships around and trying to colonize planets. But at the end of the day, this is all about the tech tree. And the goal of the game is to continue moving up the different levels of technology. You start at level one, two, three, and then end at four. This is one of those games that I've also played a ton of online. And it's to the point now where I would really like an expansion. I've kind of seen a lot of the different technology cards, so there's a lot less. I've kind of lost that, you know, ooh, what does this technology do? It's it's not there for me anymore just because I've I've played it enough that I've seen a lot of them. And at this point, like I said, I think it deserves an expansion with just a pack of more technologies would be fantastic, I think. Um, I think it's a cool game, too, because it focuses on that tech tree, and there's a lot of games with tech trees in it, but they're almost like secondary. This game is the tech tree, which is cool. Yeah, I like this game. It didn't quite make my top 100, but it is interesting. It felt very unique. I I think that I kind of struggle with playing the game and, and understanding the best outcome for it. You know, I don't seem to quite grasp it very well, so that's why it just hasn't made my top 100. But it, I do enjoy playing this game. It is a very good game. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a it's a solid game. Uh my number sixty one, Beyond the Sun. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we are gonna talk through fifty one through sixty. Uh please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook and send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thank you everyone. See you next week.